Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This week on Earth Agents, we talk about human evolution. How do we evolve? And what are the signs of an evolved human being? We're looking at The New Human with author Mary Rodwell, a Australian-based research investigator who has studied children in different parts of the world. Now, these kids are not just growing up in the same environment that we did. They have abilities that are really off the charts. Precognition, uh, advanced knowledge of sciences and mathematics, and communication with all types of animal life and off-world beings that uh, has not been recorded until now. Today on Earth Ancients, the new human and what this means for our future. All this and more for you today on Earth Ancients. Saturday, April 4th, 2020, this is Earth Ancients. I'm your host, Cliff Dunning. Hey, how are you? This is Cliff, your host. Welcome to another edition of Earth Ancients. And I'm always wondering how you're doing, and I uh, hope this uh, broadcast finds you well and your family doing well. The pandemic is still with us. Uh, I am looking at the numbers. Uh, Jesus Christ, I don't know what's going on with the South, but uh, there's all kinds of red states that aren't paying attention to uh, social distancing. And uh, I, I, uh, I got to wonder what's going on there. I guess the powers that be, governors, mayors, whatever, didn't get the words in time. Or they didn't trust the word. And now they are because people are getting sick. Uh, I think in mid-March when I was in Mexico, I was – before this whole thing went crazy, 
I was uh, looking at the news and they were still doing spring break in Florida and Georgia, you know, the beaches and, and the kids. And this thing was, was getting, you know, uh, blowing up in everyone's face. And so I guess deep state theories and, and things like that were prevalent to the point where uh, governors and mayors were like, uh, Jesus, not paying attention. So wherever you're located, I hope you're doing well and you are self-isolating until they have the word that's being given that you can get back to normal. I hear in the West Coast, we can't go really anywhere until May 3rd, which is the self-isolating. May 3rd is a Sunday. So we have to stay indoors and um, be cognizant of what's happening. The other thing I I find interesting, if you have to go out uh, and do shopping, and we all do, I don't know anybody that has more than a couple of weeks of uh, fresh produce, and uh, unless you have a garden, wear a mask. Wearing a mask is really critical, and uh, it's really hard to get a mask right now, uh, a, a good one. So people are making their own, and you can go online and do a search on Google and find ways to make a, a real basic cotton mask uh, that can be washed and reused, and that's what they're suggesting now, so... Hey, we don't know what's going on with this thing. This is uh, when they say pandemic, that means it's like we're trying to figure it out and uh, it's very dangerous. So please be safe. Hey, I want to mention, uh, I hope you're enjoying the uh, uh, quarantine series. Uh, we're doing it twice a week. Jen and uh, Bruce and I spend, you know, a couple of uh, days a week working on this and you can uh, you can download it. Uh, on any of your um, podcast networks. There's a lot of supporting imagery, uh, a lot of galleries that have been put up. And a, a number of the authors we've had on the program are writing corresponding articles. Uh, we just did a program on the elongated skulls around the world. And uh, Freddie Silva wrote an article that's very, very good that you can read on Earth Ancients on the Facebook page, on the group page, uh, or, or earthancients.com under Facebook feed. But Freddie's just one person. There's a number of people who have been writing articles, some original, some submissions from uh, past published articles. And then there's a lot of uh, really interesting um, galleries and uh, photo imagery that supports the this quarantine series. So I really urge you to get on to Facebook and see these galleries, these articles, these uh, supporting uh, bits of content for our quarantine series. It really kind of supports the articles. And we've been doing this for a while. We will uh, you know, do a podcast uh, under the regular Saturday program, and there's a supporting gallery or articles uh, that you can read on uh, Facebook. So be sure to check that out. Now, as I have promised, and this is still going on, it started a couple of weeks ago, each week, seven to 10 days, I'm going to say that, I post a free ebook. And uh, MJ Craig's book is up there right now on Secrets of Mars, or excuse me, Secret Mars. And that is his book with uh, literally 200 pages of amazing images from the surface of the planet Mars, uh, including some 
very anomalous uh, structures. Uh, you can even call them UFOs. Uh, they haven't been identified by anybody. A lot of suggestions on what they could be. Um, but that's just one book. And then the week before that, it was uh, Bruce Fenton. Each week, go to Facebook. Get your free uh, ebook. You can download it. Most of them are in PDF format, meaning that uh, you have to uh, open them up. You have to have a, a PDF player. If you don't know what a PDF is, go to uh, adobe.com and a PDF player is free. You can download the actual device to open a PDF uh, uh, player or uh, uh, tool. If you're not into Adobe, just do a search on Google for PDF format and you can download a free uh, device to open the actual book. That's the only way that you can look at them. If you don't have a PDF format, way to open the file, it'll be just stuck on your desktop and we don't want that. We want you to be able to read this and see the the cool stuff that are in these books. So uh, each week, a free ebook, and you can uh, see it all on the you can see the free ebook on the Facebook page each week. My guest today is uh, Mary Rodwell, and we're talking about her new book, The New Human. This was an interview that I did with her two months ago. And I was kind of hedging on, on on publishing it. I I thought I might put it on Destiny, but it is so good. I really enjoyed speaking with her. Uh, she is the foremost authority on human hybrids, and uh, these are children. These are humans. These are people. Some adults, mostly young people, who have their their mother was. Uh, had in vitro fertilization from an unknown source. They had their DNA tweaked. Uh, there are a number of different reasons why they are considered hybrid. And Mary has traveled the world. She's based in Australia. And these kids are showing examples of uh, extreme intelligence, uh, psychic ability, intuition that's off the scale, precognition. Uh, certain abilities uh, that are considered highly advanced. Some kids have uh, can be able to they, they recall uh, memories of being on other planets. Uh, they have memories of Earth thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, you could consider it prehistory. And she's documented all of this in this book, The New Human. Uh, the subtitle is "Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage." And I mean, it is, first of all, it's very well written, but what's more importantly, uh, what's more important is that the content actually gives us a sense of perhaps where we're heading in the next decade, uh, the next century, uh, where our evolution is going and who may be influencing us. This is not something that is discussed whatsoever uh, outside a small group of conferences. And we had Miguel Mendoza on about a year ago, who's in England, who has has interviewed Mary. And Miguel is uh, of the sim similar belief in his books that we have to begin to look at these hybrids, these 
uh, evolved humans and see how they're evolving, what the influence is, and uh, what the what the level of changes are that are taking place when we analyze these people. Some of them, some of the kids have been tested in various laboratories in, uh, with psychic evaluations, physiology, their, their uh, organ structure uh, has been changed in some cases. In, in other cases, their uh, ability to uh, live in our environment is advanced. They don't need to sleep as much. Uh, they, they don't have the same uh, food interests that we do. And I have to wonder, uh, and you'll hear it in our interview today, and I ask this question, is this panspermia, where our planet's being intelligently seeded by very, very advanced races, and, and these uh, children are the evidence of this seeding, and uh, they are uh, an evolved human. Um, so really fun, great to have Mary on the program and uh, a lot to cover in The New Human, this book that uh, came out about a year ago. By the way, as always, uh, I will have images of some of these kids on the, and some uh, video of these kids on the uh, Facebook page. The book's available on Amazon. It is, it's a real eye-opener. Uh, I wasn't sure, again, about the content, but it, ha- it goes towards evolution, uh, hominin evolution, our evolution, and the possibilities of off-world types influencing our evolution. I want to remind everybody that uh, if you have an idea for the uh, quarantine series, uh, you think you have somebody who might be a good fit, you've read a book uh, by an author that you'd like to hear more about, uh, or you just have an idea, get it to me, send it to me at cliff at earthancients.com, and I will have a look and we'll see if it's a fit for that program. Always interested in what you're uh, reading, uh, topics you might find interesting, and subjects we haven't covered here on Earth Ancients. So send them to me, uh, cliff at earthancients.com, and I'll have a look. I'll look at it. Always interested in what you're up to. For a number of years, I've been talking about the various uh, designs and engineering and uh, understanding of Earth energies that the Maya possessed uh, and uh, built into their uh, structures, most uh, notably their pyramids. And uh, I have really have not uh, interviewed people in the past uh, because it's a personal experience to walk on these pyramids, to walk in the temples and on these sacred sites. And everybody has different reactions, different uh, experiences. Some people don't feel anything, but the vast majority feel something either on contact, uh, walking on these buildings, when they come back to the hotel. And in some cases, uh, nothing happens until they get back home. Now, I'm going to present a case study of a couple 
who joined us at the uh, most recent Mexico tour in the Yucatan. And uh, their names are Abby and David Sweeney. They're from, from London. And Abby had a significant experience. In fact, we have documented what happened to her in a series of photographs in a small video that, that I have posted on the uh, Facebook page. And I interviewed Abby on March the 18th, the day just before the uh, tour ended. Uh, we were at the hotel, relaxed. And uh, I wanted to get her impression of what she felt and to explain what we see. Now, in the image that was taken, in the short video that was taken, she is raising her hands, and what we see is a what appears to be a flash of some kind of light, and, and then it, it leaves her hands and, and passes up to, uh, above her head into the uh, atmosphere. Later, it's funny because I was asking her what she actually felt. Uh, what we learned about is that she did, she's an energy generator. She she uh, regularly zaps her husband, David, uh, not purposefully, but she just seems to be a conduit of some kind. And uh, we don't know enough about the human physiology for to understand certain people and their ability to generate energy, to, to manipulate energy. And in her case, she was the perfect conduit for this energy that we uh, caught on film at the uh, Great Pyramid at Ushmo. And the Great Pyramid is approximately 180 feet up, and uh, she was going up and down, and the, sh and the photograph was taken as she was at the bottom. And uh, just a fascinating <laughs> image it it's something that I did not expect that nobody expected, but it was really fun to uh, witness this. So here's a short interview, approximately, I think it's about eight minutes, of Abigail Sweeney explaining what she experienced. And also uh, David, her husband, talks a little bit about the photographs he took and what he thought he was experiencing with his wife, Abby. So we're still here at Mereda. We're enjoying ourselves. Uh, there ha are now restrictions. Uh, it looks like we uh, booked this tour. We, we Our itinerary was perfect. We made it to every site uh, that we had on our itinerary, including the Great Pyramid. Now, I have with me a, a lovely couple from England, the Sweeney's, uh, Abby and David, and... Uh, They've been just fantastic. But there's something unique about Abby that we saw demonstrated at Ushmo. And for a number of years, I've been talking about the telluric fields, the energy fields that are generated in these pyramids. And wouldn't you know, uh, David caught some unique photos of Abby just moving her arms in a uh, kind of a, a gesture that produced on film uh, what looks like an envelope of energy above her and as her hands were reached above herself, it released into the atmosphere. Now, I have never seen this and everybody in the group reviewed this image 
and nobody could find fault with the camera, uh, someone wearing a piece of metallic jewelry. I mean, uh, David spent a good portion of his time trying to figure it out. Uh, I don't think any of us actually figured it out. I am somewhat convinced that Abby is a generator, and I just wanted to talk to Abby for a few minutes uh, about her sensation. I will be posting this image on the Facebook page for everyone to to see, and uh, it, it is fantastic. So, Abby, talk a little bit about what your sensation is, and go back a little bit into who you are and uh, some of the effects that you've, I guess you could call yourself <laughs> an electric charger or whatever. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Cliff. Thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, that was completely unexpected when we found the photos. Um, we were just browsing through the photos on the way back and uh, we came across it. So, yeah, not expected. Um, so, yeah, I guess I am, I have always been one of those people who gives out electric shocks. I pick up static an awful lot, but I've never really thought anything of that in the past. Um, I, um, I do suffer from a fear of heights. So when I was, um, going up to the Great Pyramid, um, I was a bit nervous about the height. Um, and I was, um, when I got to the top, I sat on the pyramid for quite a long time, just chilling out, taking in the views, because it's absolutely stunning up there. Um, and on my way back down, I looked down and I thought, wow, how am I going to get down this thing? Because it was making me feel a bit, bit um, dizzy. Um, so off I went, um, got myself down to the bottom, and I was so pleased. I was jumping up and down with joy, just celebrating that I had made it down this to me, a vertical slope. And um, that's when David was taking pictures of me. Um, it was just me jumping up and down, overjoyed, really pleased. And yeah, that's the result of these interesting pictures. Yeah. Um, David, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions too, because uh, you're newly married. You've been married for, for three years. And apparently, Abby is like giving shocks left and right because she's... Uh, just a natural conductor. So talk a little bit about your experience with Abby. Uh, Abby's always given me shocks. We could even be sitting in the front of the car where she's not walking around or moving around on carpet or anything like that. And she'll put her hand out, touch her, and instantly I've actually seen a spark come off the end of her finger at one stage. She's like a battery. She stores energy. She she, she definitely does. She picks it up wherever we go. She She feels the energy. She fills with it. Mm-hmm. It's great. So when when you took this photograph, did you did you uh, look at it and go, oh yeah? I mean that makes sense. My wife, you know, is throwing off energy all the time. I have to tell her not to touch me because I get zapped all the time. So I mean, would you consider her some like a battery or somebody who just naturally is an energy generator? Yeah, there's definitely some sort of either generating or or, or just charging off off the earth. So they're taking up like a battery, some sort of battery. But um, at the time when I took the photos, I couldn't actually see the camera screen. Um, So I was wearing polarized glasses. So you can only see light through one way anyway. And with the iPhone, I had it and it was complete darkness. So I was just pushing the button. So I didn't even know what I had until we looked in 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 the back of the the, the bus basically yeah. did you think it was a reflection of some kind or a piece of jewelry or no uh, it was the way it moved basically when she had her arms up in the air the burst was coming from the waist and it seemed to go all the way out above the yeah. top of her head then when she moves her hands down the way the burst then goes down into the floor mm-hmm. so it, it was like whatever direction our hands were going the energy was flowing out of the end of 
basically what direction the arms were pointing up or down the way. Okay. So it was, yeah, it was like a little burst of light, light on the, on, on the, slight, I don't know what, what you'd say, a little rainbow image in, in a dome shape just coming out of it. Mm. Just as it expels out. Okay. And Abby, I mean, it happened spontaneously, but did you have any sense whatsoever when you were throwing your arms out that you were relieving yourself of stress? Uh, were you uh, just exhilarated? Uh, I mean, because what we see is what looks like a discharge of energy. I guess, I mean, the only thing I can really say is that I was so happy to have got down those steps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And um, I was really pleased with myself because uh, it was a bit of a challenge. I guess what I would say as well is that, now, it could just be because I've gone up and down a few pyramids, but for the rest of this trip, I have been running up and down those pyramids, and not once have I had the dizziness from the heights. So that's really great. And, you know, I I don't know if that was something to do with what happened that day, or whether that was just coincidence, that I'm just being a bit braver. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, it's... um, Okay, cool. Now, one thing that I haven't asked anybody in the group about is that each morning before we leave for these archaeological parks, we set an intention. And perhaps within your intention, you're asking for uh, more vision of where we're going, more uh, understanding, or uh, not that you have to tell me what your intention was, but do you think maybe some of that was mixed in with that experience? I I mean, I guess that's possible um, because some of my intentions I've been kind of setting that I wanted to take some of the energy from from the pyramids. So maybe I literally did take some of that energy. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right, perfect. Well, hey, thank you both. Uh, It's been great uh, meeting you and uh, it was wonderful. You guys were a blast uh, to be with on this 2020 Mayan Pyramid Tour. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. It's been amazing. Best tour of my life. Oh, it has been wonderful. It was great. And Abby. It's been an absolutely wonderful tour. Thank you so much, Cliff. Much right. appreciated. Thank you both. Yeah. So that was their explanation of this phenomenon. I, um, again, I've, I've seen people have a number of different, uh, experiences on these pyramids. I've mentioned it for years. I was told by my mentor, Humbat's men, a Mayan elder, that these buildings, these temples, these Mayan structures were built on energetic ley lines. These are underground fields of energy that are produced by the earth, and they culminate in certain regions. And the Maya seemed to understand where these regions were and oddly enough, they built their their cities, their civic centers on top of these uh, uh, energy fields, known as telluric energy, uh, earth-based energy that is uh, actually measurable. So, and Abby didn't really understand <laughs> what she was experiencing, but uh, what we see in this uh, uh, these group of, of uh, images, these photographs that her husband David took. Uh, is great evidence. And we've all uh, looked at them. It's not a trick of light. It's not a, a, a reflection from the camera. It is something that is coming up through her and then leaving her hands, an, an energy field. So fascinating. Uh, and I want to thank both David and Abby for allowing me to interview them in a short segment here on the Earth Ancients podcast. 
Okay, we got a great show for you today. The guest is Mary Rodwell. The book is The New Human. Uh, this is a real fun interview that I did, like I said, a couple of months ago. And she is based in Australia. If you ever get a chance to see a video, hear her live, it is really rewarding. Her research as a uh, investigator is uh, unmatched. I consider her, as do many others, the foremost authority on the new group of hybrids, human hybrids that are emerging around the world. So, so it's a fascinating interview that I think you're going to enjoy. So here is today's program. Enjoy. Time to check in with Jin Dale. Jin covers the world. She scans for bits and pieces of data that are actually very appropriate for Earth ancients. And this week, she's talking about some interesting stones. Uh, They're called the Dropa Stone Discs. I'm looking at them right now. And Jin, what's, uh, I mean, these look like some Chinese discs in a way. Are they from China? Where Where are they located? They are. These are from. They're from the border of Tibet and China. They're from okay. a mountain range called the Bai Karaula Mountains. And I'm sure I slaughtered that. My Chinese is not great. These are uh, made of granite. Mm-hmm. And they are, so where they were located or where they were found were these interlocking caves, essentially a cave system. And there were over 700 stone discs that were found. And these caves were being looked at and mapped because they didn't necessarily match what a cave system in this area would look like. It was thought the people who were discovering them and exploring them thought that they looked more like a tunnel system that had been dug out within this mountain area between Tibet and China. So in these cave systems or these tunnel systems, they found a number of underground storerooms And within them, they found like a crypt kind of looking area. And within that, they found these 700 stone disks. They're made of granite. And when you look at them, so granite's really hard. So making making these disks out of granite would be extremely challenging. So in the deposit that they found these disks in, it was around 10 to 12,000 years old. They found some organics in there and a number of other things. They also found a number of bodies. I think they said around 35 bodies. Hmm. These bodies were of a smaller statured humanoid creature. I'll just say that. There's Uh-oh. not a lot of information on that, so I'm just okay. going to leave that as it is. Well, I'm looking at this uh, article that you sent. There's a myth, and apparently uh, the disks uh, tell a story of space probes from a dif- distant planet? Oh, my God. Well, that's that's one of the stories around this. So, okay. yes. And and the Drupa, there's a long-standing myth that the Drupa and another group in the area called the Ham mm-hmm. had this, this existing battle or this existing conflict between the two of them. The Ham saw the Drupa as um, interlopers. They came in 
and they were existing in an area where they hadn't existed before. They also looked different. They didn't know where they came from. They likely had different cultural practices that the Ham didn't necessarily like. So they started killing the Dropa. Eventually, they realized, and they didn't speak the same language or dialect, whatever that might have been at the time. Eventually, they realized that the Dropa didn't want anything from them, and they found a way of living in harmony with each other. The Dropa still live in this area. They're still present. There still is a cultural group of people that identify with that name Dropa. And they do have different physical characteristics. And this has been documented by an anthropologist. They're considered smaller stature. They have a different cranial appearance than perhaps maybe um, the Ham or people from this area. They tend to be, they have a different skin tone has been described by the, the folks. There has been some actual um, scientific study of these dropa stones. So there is a Russian scientist who published the findings of Dr. Nui, mm-hmm. the original person who wanted to report on these stones. And he was, he was basically thrown out of the University of Beijing and he was told that he was, you know, someone who was making stuff up. Yeah. This, this information wasn't real. It wasn't credible. Yeah. Exactly. So um, this Mm -hmm. Russian scientist picked the information back up and he actually um, got a hold of some of the Dropa stones because no one really knows where they are anymore. That's the other thing. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, they they found over 700 small round stone discs in this cave, but what, other than the one that had some writing, what were they thought of? They were, they used as money. Uh, Are they some form of unknown technology that has, uh, information uh, uh, imbued in them? What, 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 what was the uh, decode on these stones? There is microscope. There are microscopic hieroglyphs within the grooves. Oh so apparently there's, okay. there, there's etching in, in a fine groove spelling or spiraling out from the center of the rim of a wow. number of these stones. And so what they did, this particular uh, Russian scientist, is he he found high concentration high concentrations of cobalt and other metals. He saw that the carving on the granite it had to have been particularly difficult. Just the the it, these are almost they almost have a sheen to them as if they've been polished marble. Which mm-hmm. I mean is a diff- it's not the most difficult thing to do. But just like when we were in Egypt, it would be challenging. Granite's yeah. hard. Yeah, extremely um, hard to cut and to uh, polish. Exactly. And then the other thing that he found, he used an oscillograph and he tested the stones and he found that they directed and dispersed oscillating rhythm and a recording. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. This is a very um, good one. We need more information on this. Yeah. And he also found that they had once been electrically charged or had functioned as electrical conductors. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Now, in this article, there's a, a picture of a couple uh, that are sitting there. Do we have any other photos of, of what these people look like? Because you're describing some very unusual hominin, and it, it makes me think that, you know, this is a possible off-world culture that we just don't know enough about who happened to land in China. That's the only photo that I could find of this particular group. 
Okay. Um, but I will say this. So later in China, they develop these um, discs. They're called bijade discs. And what they start to do with these bijade discs, and they date around between 3400 to 2250 BC, around in there. And they would place these in, on or near the head of a deceased person, hmm. which I thought was super weird just based on what we know to be true about how these discs were found in a mausoleum-like setting. So yeah. really, that's it. That That's what we know about the Dropa because uh, no one else is talking about them and no one else knows where all of these discs ended up. Okay, this is a good one. This is going to go on our Facebook page, Earth Ancients uh, Facebook group page, automatically populating to earthancients.com. And then you go to go to the uh, Facebook feed. Excellent, Jen. Uh, I have to say that I'd sure like to see a uh, uh, present day version of these guys because they, uh, with the the description of their cranium and, and size and everything, you got to wonder where they came from or if there are humanoids that that uh, have slowly passed on. So excellent. All right, we will talk to you next week. See you, Cliff. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> So we're heading to London and speaking with our science editor, Bruce Fenton. And uh, Bruce has found a, a fascinating article that we actually talked about a while ago. It's uh, on the small planetoid series. It, it, the title of the article is A Luminous Extraterrestrial Geometric Message on the Surface of Ceres. And Bruce, this is a unique one for multiple reasons. I think the most unique reason is the satellite that took this photograph of the surface of the planet found this uh, geometric shape and offline, you and I were talking a little bit about it, but what did you discover is unique? And by the way, for you, those of you listening, this is an article that Bruce wrote a few weeks ago that we will be posting on the Facebook page. But Bruce, talk a little bit about this. Yeah, I found this really fascinating because what happened was I read a few mainstream articles about this, you know, this um, topic and about discovery. 
I also looked at the original source paper from some scientists that have been you know, involved in this study. Uh, and, and all in all, it became very obvious that we have something extremely strange on, on this dwarf planet series, which if people aren't aware, you know, it's right out there in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, considered the, the largest object in that field, uh, which is which, again, it, it supposedly is an area where there may have been a planet you know this you probably know about this story about phaeton the this planet that may have exploded or been you know hit by asteroids or something and they, they think turned into the asteroid belt right mm-hmm. uh, phaeton being the, the large you know i suppose you could say series sorry being the largest remnant of phaeton which is kind of an interesting bit of backstory but yeah so what, what happened was they detected these sort of strange luminous areas on the planet inside one of these you know, large craters. Now, that's pretty, pretty strange in itself, obviously, because you've got these yeah. kind of glowing spots, you know, which obviously drew the attention of the scientific community because they're kind of like, well, what, what could cause this? You know, you've got this supposedly barren dead world and there's these glowing spots on it, right? So pretty strange. Obviously, that drew their attention. Uh, there was a, a NASA mission that passed quite close to the planet which was the the nasa dawn probe which in 2015 was able to kind of you know get in near enough to study a lot of the surface features now and that's where there's the mystery kind of then in some respects people would say it was solved because they said well they thought it was some kind of highly reflective uh, mineral salts and ice and things like that <laughs> it looks <laughs> like there's lights flashing from it looks like lights it's, it's like yeah. so funny that they would of course, this is NASA. They can't say, "Oh, it's an artificial light." It's it's a, this is a natural light, is what they suggest. Well, that, that's right. There's a problem. So it has to be so it has to be reflected sunlight, right? So yeah. Yeah. so then they say, "Okay, so it's reflected sunlight." But that's, well, that's all well and good. But I want to highlight here one of the problems with that, and this is not so I discovered. This was um, a PhD scientist that I follow on Twitter who kind of noticed this. Is that in some of their videos? And this is shown in the article. I've got some pictures from this. But in some of the videos, as the as this planetoid turns, that crater moves into shadow, and you can still see the light. Yeah. And he's like, and he sees sort of highlight that. He said, well, if it's just reflection, why is it glowing in the dark? Right. Right. right? That's a problem, isn't it? I mean, so someone has yeah. to explain that. Particularly if you think if it's down in a crater, when it's in shadow, it should be, you know, even darker than on the surface level. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't make sense at the bottom of a crater in the in the shadow. And it's there. And you can see it quite clearly still glowing. Now, there was a, obviously there's been a, some analysis of that area. And what's happened here, I'm not sure exactly who discovered this geometry, but what happened is, you know, it, it turns out there's something, you know, like a like a square in there. And, and so there was this team from Spain who ran, well, they created an AI system, right, which they trained to spot geometric shapes. So they fed in loads of images into an AI program so they would know what a triangle, you know, circle, squares, and all that were. Now, they then applied this to images from NASA and in these pictures from series, it detected square and a triangle, right? Yeah. They showed these pictures to a group of volunteers, and I think it's a, you know, it's a quite a considerable number of volunteers. I think a, maybe a couple hundred people or something, well, quite a group. And they said these people had no training, you know, no astronomical training, nothing like that, not specialists. And then a large number of them also saw geometric shapes in there. So you've got like, independently the humans and the AI saying this is a real geometric shape. Okay. Yeah. Now, obviously, the the team involved said, well, OK, look, either we have a problem with AI 
and it has a bias like humans do, which is possible. Or what if this really is a geometric shape that's been left on that world and that we, through our human, through our biases in science, maybe we'll just ignore it. (laughs) Right. And, And so he asked that question. Now, I go a little bit further, and this I should say here, this creator is called Okator, if anyone wants to kind of look it up. You know, you'll find Okator on series, and there's um, there's a number of, of glowing spots, not just one, but it's in the middle of the largest of these that you'll find this particular feature, right? right. Now, there's a number. The other thing I notice, and you may notice this as well, is that when you look at that crater, doesn't it look a bit like a, a star pattern or something to you? I mean, I'm looking at the one photo uh, from the distance that has everything lit up. I mm-hmm. think the only thing that's remarkable is that it, it looks like a small city. I mean, groups of cities or groups of uh, of artificial lighting. It, it, there's there's no, you know, uh, the sun's not. It's on the dark side. The sun's on the other side of the planetoid or whatever it is, and uh, <laughs> it, it's just lit. I, I don't see anything in terms of uh, at least from what this one photograph. I don't see no. any crater as as being shaped in anything other than a sh- sure crater. if you go in the if you look at the first picture on the article at the very beginning mm-hmm. and you see you've got there the where they highlight the triangle the square and they've yeah. they put lines around. and in that one you've got those close up there of the different light spots right. reminds me a lot of us you know if someone was running out a star chart oh you know, i see got, i see do you yeah, see like, what i mean like yeah a, uh, like, a, like uh uh yeah a uh, so, somebody is placing mm-hmm. uh, perhaps some kind of a symbology that means either a chart or maybe this is part mm-hmm. of a system. Of like some a star kind. system, yeah. Like yeah. if you look up, obviously we map out certain groups yeah. of stars and we say, okay, that's Sagittarius or it's the Big Dipper or something. Yeah. It looks, to me, it looks weirdly like that, which is one of the questions I ask in the article is, you know, could this be like a calling card where, you know, you yeah. leave, you leave the glowing spot showing the stars of your star system and then in the middle, you mark the one you're from, right, with a geometric shape that would be mm. cosmically recognized. Because, I mean, for a long time, scientists have said maths and geometry would be the language of the cosmos because they're universal, right? It doesn't right. matter where you are. That's a great point. That's a great yeah. point. I mean, uh, uh, this has always been my contention with Mars, which is very, very close to this uh, to series, is the fact that we do have symbology in the form of huge reliefs of animals, of, of letters, of words, that we don't really recognize, but uh, in, in those cases, those are definitely made to be seen from above the planet. In this case that you're uh, suggesting, this is maybe a, uh, a, a roadmap or some kind mm-hmm. of symbology or some kind of... Uh, uh, Paul, like saying we've been here, you know, like a, we but were it may, here. It, it may be still functioning. It, it may be like this is a, you've now reached series or whatever the, the, mm-hmm. the, the uh, definition is, and mm-hmm. uh, you can land here. Or if you're going to the next planet, uh, mm-hmm. this is you know whatever. So, well, yeah. And the funny thing is, I mean, I know that we we probably have to you know too much on this, but one of the things is I talked to a member of the team, and he said that there's actually other anomalies on series, and this team are looking at. So oh, okay. I don't think this is the end of the story. Are you saying – are they suggesting other uh, features that are mm-hmm. lit like this or just more uh, surface features that are anomalous? I think more on just anomalous surface features. I don't I don't think okay. there's other glowing spots, but uh, so it's intriguing. So I don't know yet what it is they found. But it, he also agrees that 
the academic community has been blinded to the idea that we could possibly have extraterrestrials in this system. They can't deal with it. Look, these guys from NASA, from JPL, uh, I've already said it. There's one group that's working the rover that are the, the engineers, and then there's another group that takes over at night or something. <laughs> And mm-hmm. points the rover to these ruins, <laughs> and the same thing for these satellite. A uh, uh, real mm-hmm. good one, uh, a luminous extraterrestrial geometric message on the surface of Ceres. Really good. Okay, Great we'll, stuff. we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you very much. You know, right now during this pandemic, it's really critical to get a good night's sleep, to be able to sleep through the evening without a lot of disturbances and uh, issues. And I have found that the bedding from Etitude is one of the best I've ever had. Now, I've been talking about Etitude in their organic sheets, their organic bedding now for a couple of weeks. And I got to tell you, uh, I've been sleeping beautifully, comfortably, and it's very, very important to sleep in a uh, environment a bed that breathes, and there is nothing better than organic bedding, organic sheets, organic pillowcases, and Etitude has the best I've I've slept in. I've been sleeping on beds with organic bedding now for the last couple of years, and it really is critical that your body can breathe as you're sleeping. And uh, right now, Etitude has a special 30-day risk-free trial you can return the bedding for a full refund. They'll even pay for the shipping. Now, as a Earth Ancients listener, you get 20% off. All you got to do is go to Etitude, E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E dot com. And when you're checking out, punch in E-A and the number one. This is the best. And I really mean that. This is the best bedding that I've ever slept in, and it's really critical that you get a good night's sleep. You cannot use synthetic or poly blend bedding anymore because it, it just doesn't breathe. Check it out, attitude bedding, any size bedding that you have, you will get 20% off as a Earth Ancients listener. Go to attitude.com, check it out, and then punch in EA. Number one for your 20% discount. Attitude, the best betting I've ever had. I want you to try it. Listening to me on Earth Ancients, you know that uh, one of the beauties of Destiny, this podcast that we launched last year, is the fact that I can cover a lot of material uh, that isn't necessarily appropriate related to ancient uh, Earth. Now, Destiny covers the future of humanity. It covers the what we're looking forward to, what we can look forward to, new discoveries in health, wellness. And 
the human being, the human uh, homo sapien sapien, where this, uh, who we are, is going in the future. And today I'm really proud and really honored to have somebody who I think is really taking the idea of the the human, the uh, physiology of the human, the spiritual, the, the emotional, and looking at it from a future, but a, a form of uh, a, a future that is uh, what I will just say a hybridization. And my guest today is Mary Rodwell. She is a prolific author. The book we're going to talk about today is called The New Human Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. And I just want to say the look that we're talking about here is a look that isn't necessarily uh, provided by Earth humans. This is a book that talks about off-world interactions with humans. We've talked about this on Earth Ancients, and that is women uh, being impregnated uh, during early pregnancy. In some cases, it's not even pregnancy. It's uh, having an insertion of fetus at some point. Uh, That's just one aspect of this. This book gets into the generations of children who are being born to these women and what their gifts are and what Mary has done beautifully is present a look at what I believe is the future of earth humans. Now, before I get any further, I want to say, Mary, it's a real pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, You're one of the real movers and shakers in this whole movement. And I just want to thank you for joining me here on destiny. Oh, Cliff, it's an absolute pleasure, and I'm very heartened that you're making sense of my book as well, because when I wrote it, I knew it was going to shape people's paradigms, as it has mine. Yeah. Let me just ask you, you've been in the field for a very long time, um, and uh, I want to just tell you, I have a background probably similar to you. I knew Bud Hopkins personally, David Jacob, I had him at the program, uh, uh, Dr. Mack was a a frequent guest. These guys began reporting this alien human interaction 30 years ago, if not longer. When did you get involved and what was the trigger point for you to go, look, I need to get really involved in this and, and become, I'm going to just consider you, you're what I would say is a foundation for the, for the movement of uh, hybrid humans. But tell us a little bit about where you, have what I would just call an an inception point for this whole phenomenon? I think it's a very good question. And, you know, the, the when I look at my background, which was nursing, midwifery, then I went into counseling for, you know, a number of years working in medical practice, a lot of very practical, down-to-earth aspects of, of human experience. But I'd always been drawn to the spiritual component. You know, mm-hmm. if it was weird and wonderful, I usually had a book on it because... I've been intrigued to what is it all about, why are we here, all the big questions like many that are listening to this today. But it was really interesting that only a few weeks prior to that first gentleman walking through the door, I'd read, I picked up the book by Dr. John Mack, um, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens. Of course, he was a, a, a professor of psychiatry at Harvard University. And also I read Communion by Whitley Strieber. Ah. And that was So I'd read these books thinking, wow, this is fascinating. Must be very rare, but how fascinating. 
And literally within weeks, the gentleman walked through the door and said, I've heard you're open-minded for this. They just think there's no support groups. For this, they just think you're a loony. And he proceeded to tell me he'd wake up with marks on his body. His partner was having experiences. The children were having experiences. He said, you know, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. Can you help? And that was the, the pivotal time where I was doing advanced counseling um, at Wasley Institute. And I decided, I thought very courageously to take this case study with me because I believed the gentleman. Mm-hmm. He was in his middle years. He was articulate and intelligent. There was, you know, to me, the, the marks, all this was very tangible. And, you know, there was no sense of fantasy here. This was impacting on them all. In fact, relatives wouldn't even come to the house because they thought it was demons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is very real to all of them. And when I took it to the Institute as a case study, what fascinated me in supervision was every single one we had, um, uniting minister, we had psychologists, we had social workers, etc. Not one of them ended up saying this gentleman was crazy. In fact, they all started to talk about their own weird experiences, like I've been in a haunted house, I've had experience. So it, what it generated was this interest in, uh, you know, what I call anomalous experiences. But what it did say to me was nobody was giving me any answers. Well, did you think the guy was crazy or not? So but that was the catalyst for me. I wanted to know more because literally within a fortnight, another lady walked through the door who was having experiences. And mm-hmm. I thought, I have got to know what this is, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at Dr. Max, um, you know, his, his organization, um, and I also looked at um, another one as well in, in, in the US. And the bottom line was, this was the mission. It was, I needed to understand. And I opened up, I met a social worker that was having experiences. So I did, a, you know, abduction support group. 12 people turned up right away. Wow. And I realized then there's something very big going on. What it was, I didn't know, but there was no question in my mind that these people were authentic, that they were telling it was real impact on their lives. This, you know, fantasies don't impact on your life. And when people say to me, Mary, where's the evidence? I said, the evidence is in the changes that people make after this experience. You don't make major changes in your life after a fantasy or a hallucination. These were becoming more psychically aware. They were changing their lifestyle, their diet. They were becoming more holistic in their lifestyle, more connected Mm. to everything. Um, You know, there were a whole range of shifts that people were making after this experience. And if somebody says to me, where's the evidence, Mary? There it is, right in front of you. People change and they change dramatically. I mean, we found with the free uh, organization when we did the surveys that 85% of those that had had encounters with 4,200 people surveyed, 85% talked about a psycho-spiritual transformation. Mm -hmm. And that is huge. Wow. That is absolutely huge. So you want the evidence? There it is, right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Why don't you, I mean... How big a phenomenon is this? Is this? I know you've studied it worldwide. I know Mac wrote a book where he went to these out of place. I think he went to Ethiopia or, or some Niger or someplace, yeah. and he talked to, to women who had had uh, ET experiences. And I don't remember how in depth they were, but they were profound enough. And it was interesting because I remember 
feeling his sense that the people that necessarily were not in the big cities had better experiences because they were more connected with nature. And these ETs seem to be thriving more in a naturalistic kind of world. But uh, I mean, how long have you been involved in this? Have you been involved 30 years or has it been? Um, 25, around 25. 25, something like that. Okay. I've worked with over three and a half thousand families and children globally. And I mean, mm-hmm. I get emails literally from Uganda to um, Venezuela to, you know, to from Russia, Hungary, um, Scandinavia, right across the board. Mm-hmm. If they can speak English, uh, even as a second language, they will, they will tell me about their experiences. For, but what's been profound was what I saw was the intergenerational link in right. people having experiences. So if, if someone came to me and said they were having experiences, I would question them about their parents or grandparents because they would say, oh, my dad was always into UFOs or my oh. mom was always a little bit psychic and grandma was a bit fey, you know, um, always seeing stuff and they thought she was a bit crazy. So there's your family line right away. <laughs> as soon as they, they tell me that. And then I find out that the siblings, some siblings may be having things happen, some not. Then I found out the big thing that really inspired the new human was not just the intergenerational link, But what was happening with many of those having experiences was the children. The children were far more awake and aware than the parents, but they also had what was considered, many of them, what was considered a disability or um, um, uh, what would consider a dysfunction. ADHD is one. Forms of autism like Asperger's, like dyslexia. And I kept thinking to myself, well, what's the link then? If we are being upgraded, which in my research certainly and certainly the free research is suggesting a whole activation of DNA and our abilities, our, our heightened awareness, why are these children being born with what appears to be a dysfunction? Mm-hmm. Until I realized that we're the dysfunctional ones, that in fact we've been shut down through our programming and what I think these higher intelligences are doing is saying every time you get programmed into 3d you lose your awareness so we're going to make them harder to program how do we do that we wire them differently and that is why you you get with the adhd they're operating on a higher frequency Mm -hmm. so what do we do to educate them we shut them down you know we give them riddling that shuts them down when we can program them horrible horrible stuff but what One of the things I want to say about ADHD, the clue that I got, and this is what's so brilliant, Cliff, is, you know, you get when you're seeking understanding, it's almost like the universe helps you. And I was talking to a lovely gentleman, Neil Gold, in um, he he comes from he lives in Hong Kong. He's written a book himself because he said, Mary, when I was in my 50s, I discovered that I was actually ADHD because I'd always seen reality in a far more complex, multidimensional way. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I thought it was just me, he said. So he ended up writing a book called Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. And what he realized, and this is what was so beautiful, he re- has retranslated ADHD as always dialed into higher dimensions. Mm. Because they are 
They are seeing reality in a multidimensional way. And we see this as uh, some kind of aberration because they're not programmable because we can't educate them in the same way. Mm -hmm. We see it as a dysfunction. But actually, so many of these children I write about in the book are diagnosed with Asperger's, ADHD, dyslexia. And, And so that was, so what is that? To me now, what I'm saying is they're wired differently and they're wired differently for a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I love it's, that term, by the way. That's how I love the term wired because <laughs> everybody's wired differently. It's, that's my favorite term for explaining somebody's behavior. Yeah. They're wired in a certain way, so that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I have gone to uh, a lot of effort to get the, um, the information, um, uh, if you like, verifiable by sources that people can connect to. And so mm-hmm. I'm shameless in getting PhDs that are experienced. <laughs> One of them is Dr. Lena Olson, a molecular biologist, and she's also an experiencer. She's ADHD, Asperger's and whatever. And she has explained from a scientific point of view, because she's done the testing, mm-hmm. that these children have higher sensitivity to touch, to sight, to hearing. Um, there's a sensitivity also to additives in food and what have you so she's been able to put together a program where you can get they need more vitamin b for example because they operate at a faster rate they their frequency is higher Mm -hmm. so she's found what works to stabilize them because she and her family are similar and she Mm -hmm. calls them letter people because the adhd letters i love that about your book you you have different descriptions for the different so-called conditions we'll call them conditions because uh, we don't want to call them uh, 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 disease because uh, I agree with you. I think that's, they're not being studied in a way that's a benefit. They're, we're looking at them as a, as a problem. Mary, I want to ask you about, I'll, actually, this, you, you may have to hypothesize about this, but the book is The New Human. It's all about hybrids. I have had people like Dr. Chandra Wick-Ramsey on the program who believes that uh, panspermia is a form of seeding, intelligent design seeding our planet. What you have written about seems like uh, an evolutionary pattern that may have been with us for forever. Does it your belief that this is a form of, of, uh, uh, of uh, generational uh, uh, influence where we are um, – actually being manipulated in a, on a cellular level, level and evolving through these manipulations? That's certainly the most significant conclusion at this point that I've mm. come to. And it, it's based on a number of things. It's not only based on what I've been told by experiences. And when you get a child of eight telling you quite excitedly that she's been shown by these beings not only how to use her abilities, but also showing um, genetic engineering on the, the craft between species and being told that they do this in galaxies and universes, that this is part of their program. When you get another lady saying to you that the mantis being showed her um, how they do this, how they do that, because they're meant to be master geneticists. You look back into our history, to our genetic history, where you've, you know, you've got Cro-Magnon, you've got 
Neanderthal, and then you've got the missing link and Homo sapiens sapiens with twice the brain size, yeah. all related to higher psychological functioning. When you've got 223 genes that have been an addition to Homo sapiens sapiens that no one can explain, where you've got whistleblower geneticists admitting when they look at the genome, they can see where it's been spliced and changed and altered. That, and even Dr. Crick, of course, a Nobel Prize winner, said that they were um, involved in creating a new um, evolved species of human, where he, he was talking about this being encoded in our DNA, uh, particularly in the dormant DNA, which I believe is now being activated by these beings. Mm. So I believe um, from what I'm being told from a number of levels, that we have been uh, added, what has been added to the indigenous DNA has been maybe as many as 12 other species of um, non-human intelligences. And, you know, Command Sergeant Robert Dean, one of my most, my heroes, who died a few years ago, and yeah. I met a number of times, admitted in the end of his life that he'd been taken up on board craft. And he actually said that he was told at least 12 different species of non-human intelligences have added their DNA to our DNA. But so, is this the history? Is this our history, Mary? Do you actually think that down through the centuries, we have been subtly manipulated to the point where this is how we evolve. We don't evolve over millions of years. We perhaps evolve over centuries, maybe hundreds of years. I think there is, um, and I think this is something these intelligences are doing all the time. They're looking at a planet, they're looking at what kind of indigenous species may operate there, and they are forever doing mixes of species and what have you. Mm. I believe this is a program that is galactic, intergalactic, whatever. Um, And we are just one of many, many planets that have been seeded and what they're doing is watching our evolution and the the thing that seems to be coming more and more obvious is we've reached a point of technology where we now can see that we are a created species but we're also realizing that in the dna itself um, i think one gram of dna can contain all the information of what everything that's on the internet right now so that's just one gram of dna So what's hidden in our dormant DNA, I think, from what I'm hearing and why we're getting these new children that are more activated, is this DNA is being activated. And then you get people saying, well, I feel really connected to the Pleiades or I feel really connected to Andromeda. Why are they saying that? What is this this thing that makes them feel that knowing that somehow they're connected to some particular star system? I believe it's because we're gradually being assisted to upgrade. Hmm. And some of that is through our interactions with them, but also the many different frequencies that are part of that activation. Mary, why do they have to be clandestine though? Why can't they just come out and go, look, it is our role. You are a species. This is the way the universe works. We all uh, do cellular reconstruction to enhance not just you, but other planets. Why do we have to have it in the dark uh, when people are sedated? I mean, it just drives me nuts that we can't have 
just somebody come down and go, I represent planet X. You are, we've been here for tens of millions of years and this is just how it is. What do you say? I think they've tried to do that. There was the one about um, the, the one from Venus that um, actually went to the white house for three years. Um, Oh, talk about this. Are you talking about the guy in the 1940s with Truman? Uh, it was, I think it was more in the 50s or 60s. He, oh, he really? The White House. There's been, you know, there was a Colonel Corso that talked to a, a Corso, great, yeah. and he explained his, his interaction with them and they're saying, so what's in it for us, of course, typical military. And this being said, a new world, if you can take it. Obviously, we couldn't take it. The whole thing has been suppressed. They have tried. And our, our governments have decided in their lack of wisdom, as far as I'm concerned, not to tell us. But what, so what I believe they've done is they've decided to do it in a different way. They're working with consciousness. And so all the people that are getting ready and, and have got to a point where they're ready to wake up and realize this, they're the ones that they're interacting with. So they're mm. doing it on a consciousness level rather than, you know, it, people say, why don't they land on the, the White House lawn? Because they'll be shot at. Yeah, that's true. We're pretty well, violent. You know, this is what we do. We're violent. <laughs> different, you know, so this is why I believe they've decided to do it on this other level of consciousness. And you've got, I believe, not just millions, but billions out there that are having interactions that don't talk about it because you can't talk about this because you're crazy, aren't you? I mean, I'm talking to PhDs, nurses, doctors, um, psychiatrists, social workers, you know, families all with all different levels of um, academia that are having experiences. But do they talk about it? No way. They've got a double life. They've got the life where they're the, the credible MD and they've got the life where they are having shamanic experiences, where they're seeing these big things regularly, having downloads of information on free energy, all areas of science, the origin of the species, cosmic cosmology. All of this is coming in, but they can't say where they get this information from because we have a society that still thinks this is hilarious. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you, I, I spoke to Michael Sala uh, recently and uh, he wrote a book on uh, the new space command that Donald Trump signed into law uh, last year. Yeah. And he believes it's a cover to begin unveiling contact with off-world types as well as these advanced uh, propulsion systems that would allow us to fly between galaxies at like you know super speed what do you think of that i think it's quite possible that they're i mean i think they've already got a space program and it's a lot a lot is going on behind the scenes already i just think now they've got they maybe even being pushed by these off-world intelligences to say you better get your finger out now and start mm. talking about this because if not, we're going to um, we're going to make our. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good way. Either you guys get your act together, or we're going to get on the bull bull horn and tell everybody what the story is here. Uh, well, absolutely, Cliff. Because I've been told by a number of people now they've had visions of the sky being filled with craft coming and showing themselves. Mm-hmm. And that this is not just one individual, because I always look at how much information comes in from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if I get enough people saying the same thing, I'm just starting to think, oh, maybe, maybe that's likely to happen then. 
because there's a lot of people getting that vision right now. Where's it coming from? It's yeah. coming from them. Yeah. So then I think that I think they're holding them over a barrel. That's a good. That's a good point. I want to ask you uh, before we get into the, the, these uh, children and this beautiful work that you've done in the in this book. I want to ask you about the different uh, ET types that you chronicle in your book. Now, when I hear about an insect that can <laughs> a mantoid, I I still to this day I kind of scratch my head and go, "Are you serious?" I mean, I'm used to the I, I, I'm used to the grays. Uh, recently, the Nordic types have been very much into the California. Some sighting the Mount Shasta. Yeah. They thought it was a, uh, a Nordic type, but who's behind? Who's behind this? Is it a multicultural uh, program, or is it a certain group that has this advanced uh, genetic genetic knowledge that is uh, the one who's doing this hybridization program? Well, if the hypnosis and the conscious recall of those that come to me is correct, it's multicultural that they all have different expertise. And this is why the mantis beings were talking to the, you know, these particular um, sources that I've talked to mm-hmm. that say we're the, we're the genetics, we're the master geneticists. We work with genetics. They'll have a, a, another area of expertise. Another species will have another area of expertise. The greys. Now there's, I've been told there's at least 165 species of grey. So wow. we're going to have, be very careful and picking one out and saying, well, that represents all the grays because it doesn't. Hmm. And there's different levels of consciousness with the grays. Some are far more robotic. They're the ones that pick people up. And the reason they often put people into an altered state and trance apparently is because until they become um, integrated with what's going on, they'll react like a frightened, like a frightened animal would. Yeah. And they can damage the beings who are very fragile. So it's like we have to do this because you're still too scared to understand what's going on. But interestingly, the more somebody mm-hmm. integrates that, the less they do that, and it becomes more of a conscious encounter. So it's only while we're still in that fear place, they have to make sure we can't damage them. But once we come to a point where, okay, this is happening, I want to know more about my interaction with them, I want to understand what's going on, it actually changes and then mm. it becomes a more of a cooperative interaction, including being aware of why they're picked up, what's going on. I mean, some people will not know that 50% of those surveyed um, over the 4,200 actually had healing procedures on board craft wow. that they were taken up for healing. Now that's 50% of 4,200 people aware that they'd had all sorts, a range of healing. This is not known publicly. It's, it, you know, it's all the, the fear and they're out to get us. Well, actually, they're family. <laughs> you know, they're our ancestors. So what they're doing is they are assisting us to wake up to our greater reality is that we're part of a cosmos of intelligent life. That's mm. how I understand it at this point. I'm going to throw a curve at you, and I should have sent you an email, but I'm going to ask you to, to, to give us a case study, as easy as you can give it, on somebody who you've interviewed or read about or whatever who had an interaction where they didn't have the heavy sedation or nerve altering, that they were able to, as much as uh, consciously as, as possible, 
have an interaction with one of these beings and what what was the information can you do that well in other words in other words they either a woman or a man who they had they extract this the sperm from or whatever had an interaction and i'm just curious to hear from you because for the most part and uh, as far as i know most of the interactions are a sedation in other words they have to sedate the person as far as i know i mean i've read a little bit but i mean somebody who's been acclimated to interact yeah. with an alien being yeah. may not need to have the fear suppression and so do you have any su- examples you can provide of somebody who interacted with one of these beings and, and they and they said certain certain things well i can all these stories in The New Human from the children are conscious recall. Oh. Not one of them is hypnosis. So everything that you read about a child saying she was shown, taken to another planet, was shown how to levitate, was shown how to use a third eye, was shown genetic engineering oh. on board craft, or being shown um, educated on board craft as one late-year-old explained to me that he remembers being on the craft with other children, like from some of them from his school, but some other children, some of them he said didn't look human and explained to me, and I said, well, what do you mean? How did they look different? And explained the eyes were different. And he said, and we were using our minds to manipulate things. And he said, and being taught complex subjects. So I said to him, so what kind of complex subjects? And he said, it's too complex for you. So in other words, <laughs> I, I could not understand. He explained he had been in a tube, um, a a tube, a blue tube at one point where there were blue beings and his school friends were in them as well. And I actually said to him, have you ever approached your school friends and asked them if they remember what you remember? And he got really angry and his mum was sitting in the room and he said, mum, stop me because she didn't want them to see me or, or give me a hard time. He said, but I wanted to ask them if they remembered what I remember. So everything in that, those first nine or ten chapters is conscious recall ah. from children, everything from um, 15 down, many of them have had literally conscious recall. Hmm. So very important, and that was why I think it's so significant when you get a child explaining to you um, about their conscious recall of what they're seeing and experiencing. Like one particular young 12-year-old explained to me, that one of the things she finds difficult at school is that she has a being standing with her. And when the teacher's saying something that is inaccurate, this being will say to her, don't listen to that. That's inaccurate. This is what you need to know. Oh, so boy. she's having it edited by the little being that stands with her. And I said, do you ever talk about it? She says, oh, no, you can't because they don't, you know, others don't understand. So she was completely <laughs> aware, yeah, completely yeah. aware. So when those are all, everything that you see in that first 10 chapters is mm-hmm. conscious recall. There is, uh, other than the adults that I've mentioned in there, where some of the adults had gone into hypnosis, but all the children's information is absolutely integral to their conscious memory. Okay. okay. Well, before we get into the kids, I want to ask you a question, and, and this is another one I might be throwing at you, but I'm 60. so. When I was born in uh, 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 58, uh, I had a certain perception. What, do you, what would you say the enhancements are for our generation, for my generation? 
based on the previous generation. So every generation, there's hybridization. If we were to follow this pattern, every, you know, we live to be 80, 90 years old. So I'm hoping to be a hundred, but, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, what do you see is the first noticeable shift? Is it a subtle uh, psychic ability? Is it intuition enhancement? Is it a physicality that you've been told and you have, you have diagnosed in your work for people in this early generation, my generation, the baby boomers? Because it's kind of cool if you look at the generation, X generation, Y. It, your book actually does talk a little bit about it, but it's actually talking about the children who are young children. You don't yeah. get into the details about our generation. And I'm just curious to, to ask those questions. Well, it's a good one because the older models like myself and yourself want to know where do we fit in? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and the interesting thing is we don't get left behind. What it does, I think we're the bridge builders. We're the ones that are still standing one foot in 3D and one multidimensionally, but we are all capable of what these new generations are capable of. Oh, the okay. The thing is that we've had more programming, so it takes us a bit longer to get to the point where they're at in mm. terms of this. I remember being in Norway and speaking to a lady, and I, and they're still very closed, in, you know, in, in the Scandinavian countries because they're heavy left-brain programming. And I was talking about, you know, the children, their awareness and whatever. And this beautiful lady, she said, I'm 79 years old, she said. Everything you're saying about these new children, I have experienced all my life. Mm. She said, I used to be able to call the sheep in with my mind, but nobody knew how I did it. And she said, but I have never been able to talk about it or heard anyone speak about it before. So I think this, this upgrade's been going on. It's just that because of the generational limits of what, what is accepted as a consensus reality, many of them have shut down. That has been the oh. problem for the generations. Not that they haven't had the ability. I understand. They've just been shut down. Mm -hmm. So we're all in the box. It's just that we have to still transcend those limiting and limited programs that tell us this isn't real. If you sense this, well, that's a load of rubbish. You know, you can't trust that because, you know, all our, our intuition, our knowing, our sensing, all of those things we're taught not to trust because it's, it's too amorphous, isn't it? It's not really real. Mm -hmm. We can only trust us, our physical senses. Right. Which, you know, we can only touch what, you know, what we see and what we hear. We only see 1% of the visual spectrum, for heaven's sake. Yeah. You know? These children are seeing orbs, they're seeing spirits, they're seeing these intelligences, they're seeing the craft, they see energies, they can see emotion in colour. Um, you know, a lot of them um, have that ability. The synesthesia that was considered a dysfunction is actually us seeing multidimensionally when a number can be a colour or a frequency. Oh, or a right. Shape. That's right. actually multidimensional vi vision. It's not a dysfunction. And a lot of these children have synesthesia. You have to wonder if, uh, if religion has damaged us too, <laughs> shutting, shutting off the brain and uh, if it's, you know, uh, organized. I'm, I'm not a religious person at all. I'm very Eastern, Eastern uh, philosophy orientated. But uh, 
I see a lot of people damaged by the religion because it's like uh, you should not perceive that way. You should only perceive this way. So I, I find that could be my generation could be that could be one of the reasons why we were shut down. And those of us who were able to practice some sacred arts like meditation or whatever were able to break out. I have no doubts that the organized religion is a really good strategy to put you in a box because mm. um, particularly I know with Catholicism, because I used to be um, a, a Catholic um, and you had to trust and have faith. Well, even if it didn't make any sense to you, because if you lost your faith, you weren't a good Catholic. Mm -hmm. So you have to believe it in total. But what it did do was say the only ones that have access to God were the priests and the bishops and the, you know, the Pope and the rest of us poor sinners haven't got a hope in hell of ever accessing God because we're all sinners. So that immediately shuts you down to any of your own awareness because you can't trust it because that could be the devil. So yeah, exactly. you know, they've got you in a box completely and utterly. So for many that come to me, their biggest issue as they start having experiences and open up multidimensionally is, oh, if I do this and I'm seeing these things, they're probably demons and they're going to get me. Right. So the fear then blocks their awareness. So a lot of my work is helping them to understand that's a load of rubbish and that, in fact, what opening up to your um, higher self, your, your multidimensional reality, actually connects you more to the source, not less. That mm -hmm. In fact, it is helping you understand your 3D world because one part of you, your logic understands the 3D world, mm -hmm. but your multidimensional stuff, your consciousness connects to the matrix, mm. to the hologram, and you need this the feeling, the knowing, the sensing, you know, your clairvoyance or your clairaudience to actually understand how that communicates to you. Wow. It is meant to be in harmony, not one or the other, mm. but both. And what the, the churches do is say there's only one rule and it's our rule and this is how it all works. Mm. When in fact what that does is shut you down from your source because they know better than you because they're far more spiritual than you, aren't they? Even if they're not. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that, exactly. that's how it's manipulated. Yeah. Mary, would you say that the movement, the hippie movement uh, that, I don't know, it started in America or I think it kind of happened everywhere in the, in the world. And people like the Maharishi Mesh Yogi bringing in transcendental meditation and the revision of these ancient sacred arts like yoga and Tai Chi. I have found I've been meditating for 30 years and I find it extremely beneficial. I've been practicing TM forever. Do you think that these are some of the healing arts that you're talking about for our generation, the, the, the uh, baby boomers that kind of give us similar attributes uh, that the, the new generations of hybrid children have? Is that what you're, would that be a good reference? It's an important one. And absolutely what we need, we found with our research is that all these ways connect you to the higher intelligences, um, whether you see them as angels, whether you see them as spirit guides or non-human intelligences, light beings, it doesn't really matter. All of that realm is available once you allow yourself to connect to it. And it may be through yoga. It may be through doing energy work and learning yeah. healing. It may be doing a shamanic um, you know, journey, for example. 
It may be through having a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience. All these are ways or that you access the higher dimension. So it's not just by seeing a UFO. It can be through you having this shamanic experience. You know, ayahuasca, for some people, opens them up to those other dimensions. There's no rules here. There's no, no one way. All these roads lead to the same place, as far as I'm concerned, which is the higher dimensions. And if you're very religious, you may see Jesus and Mary and an angel. If you're not religious, you see a blue being with black eyes and maybe a mantis. All in the same all in the same place. How do I yeah. see those people, Mary? I want to see those blue beans, blue-eyed beans. I really do. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to see. I mean, I get nervous at night because I live by myself. And sometimes late at night, I kind of feel vibrations and energies around me. But I think my fear maybe pushes them off or something. But it's like, they know. I'm like, come on, guys. Show yourself. <laughs> Cliff, it's about you, really. You said it yourself. It's still your fear. While yeah. they think, still think you're scared, they're not going to come too close to you until you're ready. Yeah. It's about the, the modern-day shamanic wake-up call is oh. you transcend your human fears so that you can actually become the shaman. And oh, that's interesting. exactly what's going on. As soon as you transcend human fears of your multidimensional self, then you actually can start accessing it. Okay, Mary, there's your book. There's your next book. How to transcend the humanness to allow the beings to come through. I swear to God. I honest to God, I, a book like that I would promote because I think, and I've talked about this before, if we were have to have face-to-face communications without them telling us about their technology or, or anything like that, we would automatically evolve because our brains would go nuts thinking about where do these people come from? How old are they? Where are they technologically? Where is their evolution? Blah, 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 blah. We would evolve. So that's a part of my brain that makes me think maybe that's why they're not coming down because maybe we won't evolve because we're at the certain level of evolution. Maybe we won't evolve in a way that they find will be beneficial. I don't know. I don't know. They need, they need us to be ready. They need us to understand that a lot of communication will be telepathic. And mm-hmm. I believe we're being prepared for that. That's why so many people now having communication, it's all telepathic. And, mm-hmm. and this is their connection to these different beings that they're seeing and experiencing. They're waiting for us to get to a point where instead of being kids, we're more grown-ups um, mm-hmm. you know, in our consciousness so we can actually interact in an equal way. Oh. Rather, than, It's all about us joining them uh, as an equal not as, you know, some creature that's lower than them because we're part of them. We're part of the family. That's yeah. how I come to understand it. And we, they're just waiting for us to wake up and, how, and you know, yeah. smell the roses. How, how long is it going to take, Mary? How long is it going to take? I think it's going to be very quick because it's all about the hundredth monkey, I think. More and more people are waking up. I mean, the numbers that are contacting me every day now. I mean, this used to be weekly or monthly. Now it's every day, you know, I'm getting people contact me and tell me how it's happening for them. It's just so many are not talking about it yet. Well, there and is I'm, more sightings. I, I, I think there's more, isn't there, wouldn't you say that the sightings have increased substantially? Deliberately so, I believe. It's all about activation. People, when they see a UFO, don't realize that there's usually an interaction going on, even if they're not conscious of it. There's often been a download or even a pickup, and they oh. just think a few minutes has gone, 
but in fact they can stretch time so they could have picked you up for an hour and you wouldn't know it and then <laughs> down again so when I say to people after the sighting did you feel different some will say well actually yes things have changed for me and I'm thinking there's another one you had a <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the fundamentals here. I want you to describe for us uh, how these fertilizations uh, happen. I want—I mean, we could get into a whole different line of different types of in vitro fertilizations or uh, manipulations. I think there's even some examples of children that are already born, and then they go on a ship and have manipulations. But what's the bottom line, the most fundamental or uh, whatever, a uh, way that these women are being, uh, these children that are uh, in vitro are being uh, enhanced? Well, there's different levels of hybrid. Okay. Uh, that's the first thing I need to say. And, you know, I've got a number of those that have said they're hybrids. There's a lovely Spanish girl who, who told me about the three levels of hybrid. And some of them are just simply coming through parents that are both experiences and that they're bringing them together to get the right genetic mix. So you often have it just like that. Then there are others that are extra enhanced where the mother will be picked up like this young lady explains. And she says they, as she's um, got the egg, they will actually manipulate something in the egg and add it to the, the husband's sperm as well. Some extra ET DNA or whatever to get a certain mix, a certain, I call it a certain frequency which enables them to be more aware. And she believes she's one of those that a mother was picked up, you know, at, almost at conception so that they were able to manipulate. Sometimes they'll do tweaking, but there are others, of course, that will be pregnant for a short, only for a short while. And then they have a missing pregnancy. In my book, Awakening, I've got a chapter on missing pregnancies because right. those ones, they'll feel pregnant. Um, they'll, they'll, they won't know how because they may not have even had sex. Some of them have been people that said, I had no sex, but I felt really pregnant. And two months later, suddenly what I felt has gone and I feel this real sense of loss and grief and I've not really understood why. Um, some are consciously aware that being picked up for that. One lady remembers saying that she had at least 20 pregnancies that were yeah. like that. And she actually said to them, give me a break because I want a break from this now. <laughs> uh, and they listened. Oh, really? What's interesting too is the mothers are often taken out of body and taken to see their children because a lot of the children that are on the craft need to feel human love as well because they're part, part human hmm. as well as part non-human and whatever. Um, there are others where people have been taken on board craft and, and it's been an interaction with uh, an ET um, female or um, a male where they've literally got a father that is non-human completely oh, wow. as well. So that's, yeah. th- that's another, there's, I mean, to me, it seems there are many different ways they create a certain genetic mix mm-hmm. of what, what attributes they're seeking in someone as well. And, and I've got a family in Brazil where the mother was in fact a, um, a former air hostess. So she described that um, one of her experiences was she was on um, on her way down to breakfast in the hotel and she sees this little girl um, and she's worried about the little girl because she's standing there all alone. Human, physical, as far as she can see. But and she, so she talks to her and says, where's your mother? And the little girl turns round and she's part human, part feline. 
and it frightens her so much that she literally runs about from the monster. A few years later, she's taken on board craft and there is this little feline human and she realizes it's one of her daughters. Oh and my God. Others that are her daughters and they're all feline humans. Then the, this is the next level. Her daughter, who's six years old, um, human, and um, she's got four kids. She said, Mary, and then one time I'm on board craft, and she said, and there is the little feline human, but also my daughter is playing with her hybrid sister on board <laughs> craft. What does um, a mother do with that? Just watch it and kind of be well, amazed, she, huh? It was well. She's tried to talk to ufologists in Brazil initially, but she said they just couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's too she much. Remembers seeing this being as a child, part feline, part human, who she saw as a mother. She had a really maternal energy, but she never fully understood. And then all this other stuff started to happen. And then she said, um, "Mary, nobody listens because it's so bizarre. It's so weird. Who's going to listen to this?" But her husband is very honoring of what what um, she's experienced because he's experienced shape-shifting where she's actually seen him shift into um, a lizard reptilian and oh back again. Oh, my God. And she said, Mary, I didn't know what to make of it. The whole thing shifted. And she said when he got very emotional, and she said to him, you look like you just shifted into looking like a reptilian. And he says, I know, I've seen it in the mirror sometimes. <laughs> That's hilarious. So now they're quite at peace with that. Oh, my God. Okay, so you've got the mother having hybrid children, the feline humans, the daughter, who she now knows is a hybrid, by the way. Hmm. And she was told that, that her six-year-old daughter was a hybrid. And her husband, two nights later, woke up in the middle of the night and says, do you realize our six-year-old daughter's a hybrid? So the two of them with wow. the daughter. Now, this is, this is some of the, the accounts. There's no hypnosis involved in this. They're just talking right out. You're not putting them under or they're not being no, put under. It's not hypnosis. This is yeah. more of a story. Yeah. All of this. I mean, she was a former air hostess. And lovely lady with four kids. You couldn't meet a more, you know, down to earth, apparently normal um, family. It's amazing. So you want me to go into this? Is what I mean is that yeah. there's so much more. There's so much more complexity yeah. to this whole hybridization. Because after all, we're all hybrids anyway. Yeah. It's just we're being, I believe, activated to become more aware. But Mary, do you understand when you say that how unsettling that is? <laughs> that we're all hybrids? I mean, uh, it's like I I get it because I've been in this industry, industry in this field or this study yeah. for a long time. So it kind of seeps in and I'm like, okay, cool. But I intellectualize that and go, we're all hybrids. Well, what the hell? Are we being seated without our knowledge? Like uh, what Ramsey has to say, uh, the spores are coming from a, a, an intelligence that's a billion years in advance of us, and we're a giant Petri dish here on Earth? Or, and my next question to you is, as a researcher, is every country in and on Earth getting hybridization with a specific goal in mind? 
I think there are many agendas. And the, the thing for being a hybrid, because, you know, what amuses, I shouldn't say amuses me, to me it's just so logical, is when people say, well, all these hybrids, they're going to come and take over the world. And I said, but we're the hybrids and we have taken over the world. <laughs> I love that. You know, when people go into that whole paranoia, what's the problem? If you accept that we are a, a mix of um, these visitors mm-hmm. and indigenous <clears throat> beings, so we're, you know, we're a mix of that. So, okay, that's interested in us because we are a mix of that, mm-hmm. because they're part of us and we're part of them. As one eight-year-old said to said to her mum, "Mum, we are the aliens." That is so amazing that that they would say that. I think it's great. So, so what what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're ETs and we live on Earth and we're born here. Okay, let's get into these kids. Um, you know, when I uh, most of uh, you listening will probably think of enhancements or hybridization as fantasy like okay i'm gonna get more i'm gonna get super smart a hybrid is a super smart person or they're athletic they can do all these things or they can predict the future i think this type of hybridization according to your book mary and maybe you can give us some examples here in a second is more on i want to just call these subtle levels yeah uh intuition uh cognition um Certain abilities. So why don't you give me, uh, give us uh, one, two, or three examples of a child who has identified themselves as either an ET hybrid or an enhanced human and what the gifts are of this new generation of hybrids. Give me, like, let's start with the alphabet group. Pick one who has, yes, yeah, give us an example of the enhancements, and I'm not going to use the word hybrid, enhancements are genetically enhanced individuals that are being modified in vitro. Well, I could talk about Marina, the Spanish girl, who okay. found out that um, she reckons between 13 and 15, she, her DNA was activated so that she started to expand and realize she was a hybrid. Okay. She said that not only does she get downloads from them, uh, physics, um, a whole range, origin of the species, particularly interested in quantum physics and what have you, but she can also, she can manipulate things. She said she tried to show one of her abilities at school and they all branded her a witch because they got scared. Um, she, the, the ability to look at you and know when you're lying or when you're, you're telling the truth. She also has the ability to... Um, so that's like a- an empath. She's like a super yeah. empath. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Super um, empathic. So again, they're seeing more of... They can see energy. They can see um, intelligences around you. They can see spirits. They know how to use energy for healing. Many of them know that they can manipulate the body and, and bring in healing. They can, they can look at you and literally know you. This is the kind. So, and and one of, and they'll also tell you some interesting things. Not this one didn't come from her, but many of the younger children have told me, for example, that the moon is not 
uh, is is hollow for example that it's 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 a satellite that it's and there are beings under the surface and one of them um a 12 year old who had adhd told me that when he was here before in a previous lifetime they left something on the moon that was to affect consciousness and he was aware that it was it was still on the moon so they often have memories of whether they've been on mars for example and the history of mars and uh, as well but she was telling me more about her abilities and i I, li- I list a whole range of them but her main forte is that she talks about being taught about quantum physics on the craft she even done pictures of um how they learn there and how different it is to this planet in f- how joyous it is and how they can manipulate matter for mm. example they can also slow and expand time um one of the young children one well, more than one have told me how they can work the elements like the wind um they can actually work them the children they, can work the children, weather yeah one of one of them is all of six i think and he was talking to his mum about um working with the elements particularly the wind and there was they were up on glastonbury tour she said and there was this huge wind going around glastonbury tour and he said you do realize mum this wind comes from italy he was explaining the origin of where the wind was from but they can actually they say they can manipulate the elements so mm. you know how we new indigenous people call in the rain or yeah. calling things mm-hmm. well the kids are just saying that some of them can actually communicate with animals and one 8 year old told me that his ability was that um he was here because he could communicate with animals and he was going to teach humans how to treat animals with respect that was mm. that was his mandate but others talk about understanding plants and communicating mm-hmm. with a variety of what we wouldn't see as conscious but okay. in fact they, they see everything as conscious and they can communicate with it is it your belief that uh these new so-called disorders like uh, uh now it used to be called uh i can't remember but it's uh, children on spectrum on the spectrum yeah. which is autism I have a close girlfriend who's a psychologist who has to work with kids and she doesn't believe it's a, it's a, a an affliction, but talk a little bit about uh, children on the spectrum and they're the kids who are really affected with uh, uh, degrees of autism. They can't talk yeah. or they have physical problems. Uh, what is your belief is, is autism and you kind of hinted at this in the very beginning of our interview that you maybe feel that autism is the next step of conscious uh, uh, consciousness for the humanity. What do you say? Well, the first thing I want to say is those that have been damaged by certain things um, and get autism is different to the ones born with autism. Okay. So you're talking about injections with mercury in them or... The ones that we know have been damaged by medical intervention. Metal, okay, that's the definition is medical okay. involvement. Medical involvement. But the ones, what we've discovered, and actually Dr. Diane Powell, Diane Powell, I mention her in the book, has um, worked with um, an autistic boy. I, I think he was five at the time. He's probably older now. And she, he was a genius. He was already knowing things without being taught. He was able to speak four or five languages before he was four. um and she discovered that he was telepathic and i believe a lot of those that are autistic are actually telepathic and when you wonder why they behave in certain ways it's because they're tuning into you 
and maybe your anger or frustration or your what's name. So they will then mirror that to you hmm. as well. Um, to give you an example of that, um, a mother wrote to me about her daughter, who she said from the moment of birth was telepathic. She said that she just knew what we were all thinking, right? She would tell us. It wasn't just me. It was other members of the family. She said, do you realize how hard it is, Mary? She's three years old now. And I have to continually watch my thoughts because she will pick up on them. Wow. Hard work, hard yeah. work. Or just think mm-hmm. if you've got, and, and certainly Dr. Diane Powell has got a great deal of evidence that this autistic boy is telepathic. And the suggestion is many of them are. What we have to understand then is how we operate with them has got to come from a completely different place mm-hmm. than um, we've, we've realized up to now. And there's a beautiful lady, and I mention her in the book, Sandra Desoger. I, I can't say her surname very well, but I mention it. She's one of the foremost experts on autism, and she's talking about the upgrade of humans. And she said she has produced ways to help the autistic child live on this planet and she has recently come out and said the reason she knows how to help them and why she's become a world expert she's written several books on how to help them is because she said i was assisted by the mantis beings to understand the children oh my god i mean she's well known she's a world expert Mm -hmm. but it's the mantis that helped her understand and as a researcher would you say that um uh you've built a consensus that these children are uh the future this is our evolution and these kids with these gifts are going to be everyday uh experiences for people who are naturally born and unmanipulated or how does it how, what is your belief on the involvement of all this i believe humanity is being targeted as a group you know collective consciousness and the ones that were are receptive to wanting to evolve wanting to change things um that are seeking this kind of connection are the ones that will get the help to do so so it's almost like if um in fact dr lena olson talks about the low frequency people and the high frequency people and she says we're separating out into those polarities where we're going to get the low frequency people that want to stay in 3d and we're going to get the high frequency people that want to evolve and we're separating out into that now we can almost see that polarity where Mm. you've got still wars and people still wanting to kill each other because they've got a different color skin or a different belief system for example and you've got the others that are seeing us all as a collective all connected to one another and are Mm. wanting that shift into a higher awareness and that's how she sees it and i think it's a really good to me it makes a lot of sense yeah There's a lot of talk right now. Uh, In the last year or two, I've had a number of authors talk about the awareness of dimensions, different dimensions, and uh, perhaps there's another dimension of of Earth, and we are, you know, we in our sleep or meditation, we go to these other places and become these other people. But uh, you hinted a little bit about these these children, and. Uh, having the ability maybe to pass through a dimensional reality. Is that a big storyline that you have picked up? Oh, many of them are aware of it. I mean, I talked to this um, seven-year-old explaining to me that he knows he's from the ninth dimension, that he says oh the God. little lady 
teams are, they can't go further than the sixth dimension. He says they're very talkative. They're very nosy. He talked about that when he wants to go to other planets in another dimension, all he needs is their mathematical number. In other words, mm. their frequency. And then he uses the runes as a portal to wow. go to particular planets. I talked to an 11-year-old that said this is his first incarnation on this planet. He said, um, I come from a planet where I was blue, and he actually do a draw, he did a drawing of what he looked like. And he said, I've come in as a center seed to connect with the center of the planet and deal with pollution. But he, he described how he can see physically, interdimensionally. He is able to actually see um, and what have you. And he's looking at new technologies and explained, explained all of this to me. He's, he's 11 years old. That's amazing. That's amazing. Mary, uh, this has been really fun. I, I uh, would love to spend, uh, I'm definitely going to have to have you back <laughs> because we could talk forever about this. And this book, The New Human Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage is wonderful. For those of you listening, I strongly urge you to get this book. It's just it's really almost an encyclopedia of, uh, of uh, information on these kids, uh, the testing, their interactions with off-world types. And um, I guess my last question, Mary, is in our lifetime, do you see a physical interaction where it's noted across the, 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 uh, the planet that they're here and they want to welcome us into the Federation of Planets? <laughs> well, let's put it like this. They are jolly well better do it because I've come to this planet and I want to be here with for the big hurrah. And I'm going to be really pissed off if that, that happens after I've passed on. So the deal is with my connections to these intelligences, get your finger out and make sure it happens so that I'm around to see it because I, I, I don't think I'd have agreed to come to this planet unless they'd actually made that. Difference. I love it. I love it. I love it, Mary. You are speaking my language. I am on the same boat. I have sat and I've supported the whole movement with every known and unknown uh, speaker and, and provider. And I want to see the, the final, I want to see the, the off world types come down and go, Hey, we're here. And let me shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, me too. Mary, uh, I want to thank you. It's really been a pleasure. And uh, I, uh, I'm going to have to have you back. I was trying to think of the one of the gentlemen who I spoke with. You might know him, Miguel Mendoza. Yes, I know Miguel. And uh, I think he's a wonderful guy and he supports a lot of people. And uh, he wrote a couple of different books that you are a, a part of. One is the, the disclosure books i think we have the disclosure yeah. yeah we own the disclosure which are excellent books too so anyhow mary that's it and i uh, definitely will have to have you back thank you <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure cliff thank you so i i heard about mary over the years was interested in her work uh i had never met her i still haven't met her personally this interview represents the first time i've interacted with her and you know, we don't really know how we evolve. We we think it's through natural selection. Uh, a hominin develops and then dies off. But we can see the next phase. With my, my, my kids, my son, Alex, he has certain abilities that I don't have. And each generation has different abilities, different cognition, 
functionality of the brain, how they do things. My kid, Alex, is a whiz on the computer. Computer games, his dexterity is much better than mine. Uh, he, he's actually a, a animator. He does video games. He's in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, I think what he got from me was the artistic side. From his mother, he got analytics. But he works on a different path. He his, He's an evolved person. Some, he has gifts that I don't have. And when I when I speak to Mary and she's talking about these these uh these hybrids, I look at it as a form of evolution, but again, you know, there's so much we don't know about evolution, you know, uh, panspermia, intelligent seeding, uh advanced beings sprinkling the earth with uh uh DNA that lands on us and who knows how it works to to change us to uh move us forward. Some people may <laughs> move backwards. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview. Uh, I did, and I definitely want to have uh, have Mary back. By the way, go to YouTube. If you want to hear more from Mary, go to YouTube. There's some really, really good presentations. She even has, I think, a two- and three-part video series on The New Human. I think she was touring under that title, The New Human. If you punch that in, you'll you'll get a few videos. Uh, she actually appears to have been touring before the book was written, and then from all her data that she collected, uh, she actually wrote the book uh, later after coming up with that theme. So uh, The New Human, it's available on Amazon and... Uh, Check out the videos, too. It's fun to, to see her uh, present material. If you're enjoying Earth Ancients, please consider becoming a member of Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you support the work we do here on the program. Hey, and we're giving you a lot right now during this uh, pandemic. We got the quarantine series. We are upping our game. and There's a lot of original articles. I'm writing more. A lot of our uh, contributors, uh, authors, are actually posting articles on our Facebook page. This takes time to arrange, to put together, and to coordinate. So for five bucks, you can help us keep the lights on, keep working at this, and providing you the best content in the world here on Earth Ancients. To subscribe, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash earth ancients and become a subscriber. We got a lot of gifts for you. We got a bunch of free eBooks that you can download uh, unpublished articles and uh, interviews. And there's some galleries that are kind of fun too, but most importantly, your subscription helps us keep the lights on. So please consider becoming a subscriber. So I want to thank the following people for subscribing in the last couple of weeks. I want to thank Stuart Young Daniel Sullivan, uh, Noreen Colbert, Tony Albert, and Stephen Long. You guys rock. I want to thank you for your support, and um, you really make it happen. You you keep the lights on for us. Again, become a subscriber. It's patreon.com forward slash earth ancients. Hey, uh, I want to remind you that uh, we will be 
continuing uh, during this pandemic with providing ebooks on the uh, Facebook page. You got to go to Facebook, look for the Earth Ancients page. It's on the group as well as the international page. The book that's coming up in a few days is by the French author Chris Hardy. And the book's called The Sacred Network, Lays, Megalis, and the French Connection. This is a an analysis and a look into ley lines, telluric fields, and how the ancients not only built the megaliths on top of these ley lines, but following the uh, evolution of how man has used and worked with ley lines, she gets into how these cathedrals in France and in England were built over ley lines and why they are so important and why they are today still centers of special energy, special phenomenon, and uh, places to go for not only prayer, uh, but enlightenment. So check that out, The Sacred Network. That is our free ebook. Yeah, we're giving you a free ebook to download that'll be in uh, during the week of April the 6th. So I'm thinking every 7 to 10 days. So that'll probably be available Wednesday the 8th is what I'm thinking. Wednesday the 8th. So, Oh, and remember, these are not like Word files. They're PDFs. So you got to find a PDF player, a PDF uh, tool to open. And you can go to uh, Adobe, who designed the PDF format, uh, God, years ago. And you can download the uh, device that allows you to open the book. And uh, it's basically a, a way to compress a big file. And then when you get the open tool, you open it with the PDF opener. So make sure you get that. It's not that technical. It's really easier than you think. But you have to have a PDF. Uh, you have to have a way to open the PDF file. Uh, because a PDF is, is a compressed file of images, graphs, and writing, typed writing, uh, it's, a, it's an actual book that you, you can actually open. So check it out. Free ebook from Earth Ancients. Okay, what else? We have the quarantine series that will be available. Uh, let's see here. We're going to have it on the 7th and then again on Thursday the 9th. And what do we got going here? Uh, Tuesday, we are talking about crop circles and some of the new crop circles that are being uh, uncovered in England and the UK, which is really a hot spot for crop circles. And uh, then we'll have another program for you on Thursday. So check it out, quarantine series for you. Uh, and I hope you like those. I, it looks like people are really enjoying them and uh, downloading them uh, in good numbers. So we appreciate that. Okay, as always, be well. Make sure you have your your face covering when you go out. Uh, always, if you can. By the way, you can get gloves now easily. You go to um, Amazon, you can download. I think they. I have a box of 100 gloves, rubber gloves, and it's like 12 bucks. Uh, those are not in short supply. You can get those easily. So when you're out shopping, you got your gloves, you got your face mask, and you're good to go. So stay safe, be well, and... Uh, be careful what you're doing. Okay, take care, and we'll talk to you next time.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.